3: What's up and welcome to an episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode number 200, Milestone episode number 200. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler, but I am also here tonight with Ryan Hanna from the Wing Wheel Podcast and with Daniela Bruce from the Detroit Red Wings, which was a very big surprise to her. But how are you guys doing tonight?
0: I'm good. Thanks, Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. Congrats on 200. And big shout out to uh, Better Ryan, uh, a dad for the third time. So congratulations, man. You told me that uh, he's not awake. He's already in bed, which a little lame, 825. But uh, I hope mom and baby are both
3: doing well. Really glad to be here again. Yeah, what a lightweight, Ryan. How are you doing, Daniela? <laughs> I know.
1: Uh, I'm doing very well. Like excited to be here with other Ryan. Well, Ryan from Wing Wheel, who I did not know was joining. So this is a pleasant surprise. We are going to have a blast tonight, gentlemen. Yeah.
3: And Tyler's over there living the life of an eligible bachelor who does not have any children and not a care in the world, except for, oh, no, his mold, his mold issue is fixed. Oh, my God.
4: That was a total disaster. Speaking of um, total disasters, Ryan, so I, I I don't sympathize with you, but as like a brother figure that we are here, um, like I I like giving you shit.
2: But no, congratulations on the baby. I'm I'm really happy for you and Chelsea. I went the exact opposite way I thought I was going to go, but yeah, I do. I, I appreciate that uh, Tyler. It's uh the sleep has been good, but not great. Why Chelsea's getting some as much needed sleep. She's getting uh, She's better at breaking it up during the day than I am. For some reason I don't like falling asleep and then it screws my nights all up. Um, but no mom and baby are doing well. Things are going well. So I, I definitely appreciate it guys, but excited to be able to be on here because actually today was the original due date. Um, he decided to make an early appearance last Wednesday. So that's why it made me available for this evening. So I'm ready to go.
3: Already very considerate of our recording time and schedule. Yeah, see? That's awesome. He loves the
1: podcast. He <laughs> loves the podcast already.
3: So what we plan to do tonight, which I thought would be kind of, we're heading toward American Thanksgiving, which is an NHL kind of hot spot is where teams making the playoffs from the 2013-14 season to 2017-18 62 out of 80, or 77.5% of teams in playoff position, go on to make the playoffs, which is a pretty huge stat. The Red Wings currently are in uh, wild card spot number one in the East. So I did kind of a pulse of the fan survey, threw that out there, got a lot of responses on just how you feel about the team right now, uh, how you feel about player development, the team's performance, who your MVP is, questions like that. And what we're going to do is I'm going to go through the fan responses first. I'm going to let everyone follow up, uh, call people out, get some responses, and we'll go from there because I think this is a really a, a good check-in point while the Red Wings have a pretty decent break until their next game. So if you guys are all good, I'm going to start with coaching, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. So I did a one out of ten schedule or one out of ten kind of survey slider. How would you rate coaching so far? Basic question. Seven and eight each had thirty-six percent. So seven and a half out of ten from the fans. The next highest was a six out of 10 with a 14% and a 9 out of 10 with a 10%. Some of the comments that there were uh, that were left there a lot better than Blashill, inconsistent, but we still have uh, some good third period pushes and then some very not good third period pushes. Uh, in-game adjustments are being made. A lot of people saying they like Newsy's transparency, which is a very big point that I like to make. Uh, Fresh Voice is helping guys like Ernie and maybe even Dylan Larkin because he's on a tier two this season. Uh, Less giving up and more battling back. Still too many blowouts, but players seem to be buying into Newsy's system. And again, I think we hear that a lot in uh, interviews and stuff, too, is that there's just a a fresh voice is really helping and that they're really buying in and starting to gel. But, Daniela, you look like you want to jump in.
1: Oh, always. Don't I always want to jump in? No, I like the statement of the, the less giving up and more pushing back because I think that kind of coincides with people saying the team is inconsistent. We knew this team was going to be inconsistent. The coaching staff was honest about it in the beginning. You're going to see some of those ebbs and flows in the season, especially with a really young team who, let's face it, is still considered a rebuilding team. I know we're excited about the direction that they're heading in and we should be, but there is going to be some third period collapses. There's going to be some games where you're not really impressed with how the team looks. And I think it's all about how the coaching staff helps that team respond. And I think they've been doing great so far this season. You see the team claps in a game like Buffalo. That's the one that always stands out to me through this season. But the way the team responded after that loss in Buffalo was excellent. They went on a huge homestand win streak. It was great. They had the 97, 98 alums in town. So the response was excellent. And that's something we didn't see all the time last year. When things started to unravel, they really unraveled. And we haven't seen that yet. And to be honest with you, I've sat back in my chair a couple of times and said, oh no, is this, is this the the unraveling moment is this really going to get them down but hey they come back every time even stronger and, and put in the effort and that's coaching and I think that's when they say they're buying in and the messages are getting through players are really buying into what Derek alone is preaching and that's why they know when they when they do it right they can be successful and we've seen that
3: and then I think I'm going to go with other Ryan when I'm referring to Ryan Hannah and I'm going to go with our Ryan when I refer to our Ryan so other Ryan how you feel
0: uh, I think it's actually important to note here, too, that that's pretty consistent because Evan from the Winged Wheel podcast, someone who I've seen probably more than anyone other than my fiance over the last however many years, also calls me other Ryan. So it's my uh, common name here. Um, uh, just building off what Daniela said, which is spot on. And also, Danielle is being humble here. She got a fantastic answer out of uh, Coach Derek Malone today that she posted on Twitter, where he acknowledged that even though Detroit is really high up in the standings based on expectations, he understands you know, overperforming and how that came about. So, if you don't follow Daniela on Twitter, please do. She she's always putting together uh, fantastic content right from the team, um, and that to me is is one of the only ways where I can really measure Derek Lowen's coaching uh, and that staff's coaching so far. It's just too early to assign it a, a number, honestly, in my mind. Uh, but based on his, you know, understanding, the transparency is nice, but that's more for the fans. His understanding of where the team is at on paper committing to a system understanding and working on where the flaws are that's what i really like from him uh i I think this seven in and around there is pretty fair you can't justify any lower because he's not had the team avoid those collapses and he can't justify any higher because hey the rebuild's not done and he's not had any time you're just kind of uh being way too optimistic which i mean by all by all rights go ahead and do it but uh, yeah those those third period collapses, things like that, like those are going to happen. I do think a good measure. I said this the other night. A good measure is can the Red Wings get away from that by the end of the season? And I think they're on track to do it. Um, changing a coach is tough on a team. Changing damn near all the players in important positions in the lineup is really tough on a team. Changing systems is incredibly tough on a team. So the fact that they've been able to to pull out you know first wild card spot coming up on Monday, November twenty first is is pretty amazing. Um, I do imagine there's going to be some regressing to the mean and whether or not uh, they're fighting for a playoff spot come, you know, February, March. I'm not really going to hold that against coach Derek alone, but uh, just even seeing the Red Wings buy into one consistent system and try to execute and try to deploy is it's a nice change of pace.
3: I agree there, too, because. He one of the big things, and like you mentioned, is he'll even say he'll be like, "Yes, I know we look good. Yes, I know we're playing good, but like pump the brakes a little bit because we're still not the team that's going to make that huge push." And he recognized it from the beginning that they're not a team that's set to do a, a huge playoff push or make it very far. And if they sneak in, they sneak in, but it's not his goal currently. And he says that a lot. Yeah, Daniel. I just
1: another thing that he said today that I thought was really interesting. Interesting that wasn't in the soundbite that I posted. Is he was asked basically the same. Question that we're talking about right now. Have you allowed yourself to look at the playoff picture now that we're approaching Thanksgiving because you are in a playoff spot? And he said, No, I haven't looked at it and I haven't used it for my players at all. I haven't said anything about it. And he fully admitted that he did in Tampa because he knew what kind of team he had in Tampa and that can be used as, you know, like we are a playoff team. We're going to go. And I don't think he's saying the Red Wings aren't going to make the playoffs. And that it's, you know, never going to happen. I think he believes in his team, but he said that his team has willed their way into the position that they're in the will and the commitment from the guys has put them where they're at right now. And if that continues, that's great. But he knows that the talent isn't quite there yet, especially in the East. I mean, look at, look at the conference.
3: Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that people brought up is that the players seem to be buying in. And that's a Mm -hmm. big thing is that they're they're ready to go. Uh, it seems like they're ready to start the game and, and just get in there. And Ryan, the other thing that I like that you said was it's it's overcoming that trifecta of massive change. And they've been able to kind of lock it down pretty well early on and get with the new systems, get with their new line mates, get with the new coaching. And, and they're still, you can see Cider started rough. Cider had an amazing game last game, just a f- phenomenal game. And he'll catch on. Lucas Raymond took a little bit to warm up. Lucas Raymond's hot now. I mean, you lose Burt for after game two, you lose Burt for that long. He's got to come back and catch on. So being down key pieces, but being able to overcome new coaching, being able to overcome new line mates and new systems has been really impressive. Are Ryan?
2: No, the biggest thing I'm keeping an eye on is, yes, we're in the number one wild card, but we're tied with the Rangers team. That's a playoff team. Where Pittsburgh's now they've turned it back on they're they're coming alive again, and they're only a point behind. You've got Florida trying to figure out what they've got going on. Washington's several spots behind that, but their injury like they're far worse than any other team it seems like, maybe next to Columbus, but they're still staying alive. I mean, yes, we've battled with several of these teams, we' beat the Rangers, we beat up Washington and what have you, but it's these next few games are going to be key, as you pointed out. And if we can weather the storm against some of those types of teams that I mentioned, then a wild card spot may not be out of the, out of the picture long term. But it's the roller coaster of the games, I think, to this point in terms of excitement and, oh, my God, the sky is falling. I think we've seen that already. But it's a better feeling than what we've had in the past several years. And I think that's what's added to the, the hype, if you will. And how the games are going the teams that are ahead of us are the teams we thought would be ahead of us and now it's just can we make one of these teams that we're used to seeing there like the rangers or pittsburgh really get on their heels a little bit as the season goes along and put extra pressure on on them while the wings are just kind of going about their thing and seeing what happens because that's kind of the way they have to approach it see what happens if things go well they will if not we're one year closer to being even better so
3: And we even said from the beginning of the season, we don't expect playoffs. I mean, if wild card happens, that's a pleasant surprise. But we didn't expect playoffs. And even because of all the changes that happened, we didn't expect playoffs. But if it happens, it happens. Tyler?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you guys all said. I mean, injuries, I think, are the biggest thing. And and the fact that they've been able to stay in it uh, with all the injuries that they've had, you know, to key players like Bertuzzi, like Verona going out with the personal issues and, you know, just things on the back end and Soderblom out and, you know, just a bunch of injuries and and even having to bring guys up from GR and that them still keeping it rebel, relatively competitive outside of the, the Rangers game and, and the Buffalo game, which I, I agree with you, Daniela, that's kind of where I was like, okay, this is starting to unravel. They better really come out with a strong effort against Washington And not only did they come out with a strong effort against the caps, but then they beat the Islanders and the Rangers. So, um, you know, and then they go on a four game skid and then they win two in a row. So, I mean, that's all coaching. I feel like, you know, especially you got to kind of minimize losing four in a row or losing, you know, three in a row or whatever. But I mean, if you're getting points, I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing. And, and coaching again, like I said, he's been transparent. He's done everything that we've asked of them and i mean again you know the talent still isn't quite there in terms of of you know where we want to be yet but i mean it's it's certainly on its way and and he's done a good job of coaching that talent up
2: too yeah i like your point about the guys from grand rapids coming in because we saw zarnick luff god bless his soul for what he had to go through in those couple of games but they came in fit a role and they did it well and it was it was the next man up mentality and that's i think what helped help them maintain some normalcy as, as those games went on. Yeah. They lost six out of eight points on that four game skid, but it wasn't without them being competitive. Now obviously you can take the Rangers third period completely out of that. And maybe the ducks collapse at the end, but they still look good in the process. And I think that's like to the point that everyone's making, they're making things happen, whether or not they're winning is another story, but they still, it looks like a different team and it's, it's makes it obvious. And It's, it's a feel good Point up to now.
4: I think we need to see a lot less of the eight to two and eight to three game. Like those are the games where like I I question, I'm not gonna question the players. I know the players didn't give up, but it looks like it on TV. It's like, okay, it's five to three. Can we score a goal to make it five to four? And then it goes six, three, seven, three. And then by by the time you look, it's eight, three. I think there was the Rangers game where I get out of the shower, the game was tied, and I come out and it's six to or something I'm like what the hell happened so
3: anyways he, I had a few of the what the hell happened moments too because I'll go make a sandwich or something and come back and the other team scored five goals Like, <laughs> I was gone for five minutes um, I had But a again,
2: positive spin to that one we're at the hospital for the uh, San Jose game and I was tied at four I went to go change a diaper came back and it was six four Red Wings so see there's two ways I can go
3: got it so right, we'll let Chelsea know that during all games you have to change every diaper because then we score <laughs> oh god please don't uh, so at any time, if you hear something that you want to talk about or agree with, just jump in. I'll, I'll mute my mic and shut up. So <laughs> just go ahead and jump in on it. But if we're all good on the coaching, I want to go on to the team's performance given the current roster. So does anyone else have anything else on coaching they want to go over? Nods of approval or disapproval? All right. So how would we rate the team's performance given the current roster? So currently we're at 7 out of 10 with 48% of the votes. And that's a solid chunk of votes. Uh, The next highest was 6 out of 10 with 22%, and then 8 out of 10 with 16%. Some of the comments were better than expected. Uh, Not too bad. A ton of praise for Dominic Kubelik. Uh, Raymond heating up, which is one we've heard a lot recently. A lot of mention of being able to stay in it, even with key injuries. And then 5v5 play and uh, mention of Nedeljkovic needing to improve. And I think Kubi is the really big one. I don't think we can fawn over Dominic Kubelik enough. And I'm going to start this time with other Ryan.
0: Yeah, this one comes middle of the road for me, too, around that 7 out of 10 mark. Uh, you can't deny that if you gave any Red Wings fan the option to say, hey, guaranteed on November 21st, they'd be in the first wildcard spot. Any Red Wings fan who's watched any hockey over the last five years would have jumped all over that you know the these blowout losses that we've been watching have colored things a little bit uh, uh negatively and understandably we were getting close to the is this same old red wings almost like same old lines kind of thing
2: oh uh, God. there
0: where yeah i know i'm not i'm not bringing that into existence but it, there was there were a lot of familiar feelings but at the end of the day this is a team that's pulled a lot of points out of games where they either should have won or stole them off much better Jeez. um i talk a lot about progress not being linear same thing is there's no perfect rebuild. There's no perfect draft draft strategy. We can sit here and analyze on our podcast all day long, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty human game at the management and at the player level. So uh it's gonna be three steps forwards, two steps back, another one forward, and then five steps back. And that's just the way it's gonna go. So yeah, on balance, I think this team has performed really well based on you know their expectations, who they are on paper and compared to the rest of the league. I think seven minimum uh is is where I'd place them perfect god no the difference between seven and eight is is light years and and so on but um the way they've been able to come together uh the way they've bought into it, a system that really brings in a sense of team defense that maybe was the idea before with last show but the execution wasn't there it's hard uh they have found a little bit of offense recently especially a five on five which is nice over the last couple of games Kubelik like you mentioned greg is you can't fawn over him enough. Larkin has been, I think, the Red Wings' best player consistently all season. Um, and then the right guys have been turning it on. You know, I give Kopp and Bertuzzi a little bit of a break based on how much rehabilitation and training camp time that they missed. They do need to turn it on. Uh, but Raymond picked it up. Sider looks to be picking it up. Um, you want Ned to be playing better, but wow, you cannot have asked really for more from Huso. So all in all, yeah, the, it, it, taking a big picture view. You can needle and point at whatever you want, which I do way too much. But this is a team that's performed really well. So at this point, you can't be dissatisfied in my mind.
3: Yeah, I think we need to say a couple more times that Dylan Larkin's a really good hockey player so that people kind of like lay off him and get off his back a little bit. Because like you said, Dylan Larkin, I said recently, has been playing at a pretty elite level since the second half of last season. And he's getting better. You can see this is like prime Dylan Larkin when he's healthy and angry and hungry and he just really wants it, so we're just going to keep saying Dylan Larkin's really good, and everyone should probably leave him alone until they, until they start to leave him alone. Daniela
1: agreed with that. I, I remember the game. What, which game was it where he just wasn't? good. He missed the the penalty shot, and then his shootout shot was also. Yeah, and then not they're good. like
3: trade Dylan Larkin. Oh, he missed my a Lord. penalty shot.
1: Everybody relax. My goodness, like oh jeez. But yes, agreed with that. Dylan Larkin has been excellent all season, and. The one thing when I look at the team and I'm trying to think, because I want to talk about the team as a whole here, right? Like there are so many individuals that are great, that have stepped up all the new additions Steve Eisenman made seem to be doing really well. David Perron's been great. Kubalik, like you guys mentioned, but the one thing that I can confidently say and that I, I, they have depth this year. And like when somebody got hurt last season, it was like, Oh boy, like who, who's going to fill that role? How are they going to do this? And there was a period in the season where, there were seven of the top nine forwards, not in the lineup. Like if you would have put out your, your top nine on, on paper, seven of them were gone at at one point throughout this season. So, I mean, that's huge to have guys like Zarnik and Locke who came in to have guys like Pew Suter who were healthy scratches at the beginning of the season to come in and then play top line minutes with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond, just be able to slide up and down the lineup and find that consistency and the gel. Cause it's hard. We're talking about it when you're changing line mates all the time, you're coming into a new system. But the depth is there. And I think, like I said, we can confidently say that and we're not, you know, scrambling when somebody gets hurt. It's everybody looks like they're buying in. Everybody looks like they're able to move up and down the lineup. And I think, like I said, that's something in a couple of years that we haven't been able to confidently say.
3: And that's even huge for guys like Adam Ernie, who's out there busting his ass every night and looking miles better than he was last season. And it's it's just a credit. I think that also goes partly to coaching. You can give Mm -hmm. a credit to coaching on the improved play of guys like that. But also that's that's systems. That's a lot of systems stuff, too. And in giving guys part of the reason they said Mo might have had a rougher start is because it seems like he's more open to try things. And if you let a guy play his own style, it's going to take a little bit of, of a transition period. But maybe if you don't lock down a guy like Adam Ernie and let him go do what he can do, he he performs the way he's performing now, which is generally pretty good. All right, Ryan? Yeah, I was going to
2: say, Ernie looks faster this season. I don't know if it's anyone else. like He looks leaner and faster, and it's kind of surprising to me. I mean, we knew that a couple of years ago that he had a scoring touch that kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but it pretty much did, and he was helped leading this team. And last year, you are like, okay, Adam Ernie's not the same player I'm not sure if that's what we should expect and now he's back to sort of on that trend but he's helping drive play and he's not just going out there hitting someone and you're like oh shit the puck's going the other way he's out helping do good things for a change I should say for a change but in comparison to when you look at last season and guys like him you look at Suter going up and down the lineup with the injuries everyone's been able to jump around this season on different line pairings and when he's done the little bit of shuffling they've made a difference whereas last year like to your point daniela we had one line more or less that was doing everything for this team mm-hmm. and when they weren't doing anything it showed now we're seeing perron we're seeing kubalik we're seeing larkin now raymond you got Bergeron getting involved with the on the bottom bottom lines there like there's balance throughout raz is throwing his body around sunquist is doing great things he's getting on the score sheet and now we're seeing i think to the cider point, he's starting to settle down and come back into his own. He's sneakily up to nine points at this at this stage of the season, which are we expecting him to really score? Not really. But I think defensively, he's starting to put the body on a little bit better, and he's not trying to make the flashy play like he was early on where it's leading to a turnover. He's making the right play, and it's leading to that breakout that we like to see from him right now. So, I mean, as a whole, going on the score, scoring, I'd say 7 out of 10 is the safe way to go with it. If we see start seeing more, maybe we'll see that with the addition of Fabry as when he comes back and is healthy, see what type of spark he can bring. If Rana comes in and can at some point this season, I'm not gonna necessarily bank on it. But that there's a lot of positive aspects you could see as this season moves along that I'm excited for. But trying to temper that a little bit just because of how things are going. But it's it's still fun. It's a it's a change and it's a positive change. But the new additions, I think in particular, like Peran and Kubelik are the, the true standouts for me. I mean, it's not to discredit anything Sherratt and Mata are doing, but they're making all the fun, pretty plays on the front end. And it's led to a lot of exciting goals so far at this point. It's hopefully those guys can stay healthy.
3: Yeah, the Philip Hronick thing is very exciting. I mean, that was a mustache. I well, envy it, that. the mustache is what changed it, man. In the in the Phil Manchu era, we are we're heating up because it was I feel like Philip Pironic got a lot of flack last season. He became a very Decent scapegoat for people to just be like, oh, but we would have won that game if it wasn't for Philip Peronic. And now he's out there. He, he's killing it. And Ole Matz has helped him a ton, get him a stay at home defenseman that can maybe make up for a few of his mistakes on the ice and just let Phil go do what Phil does, which is be mm-hmm. offensive. And that's what he's done. And that's again, I'll put that on team play, too, because that's chemistry. That's chemistry in your line may, or with your pay, uh, D pairing. That's chemistry with your uh, special teams and other guys that are out there. And that's improved our special team play. Our penalty kill has been good. Our power play is off and on, but it's been good. And like I said, we need to pick it up in 5v5. Five five, but the improvements in the players are overall uh, a positive impact on the on the overall team.
2: Greg, I feel like you and Ryan need to go, grow out of Manchu.
3: Oh. because you two
2: seem to be the ones that can successfully a facial hair this, um,
3: i don't like it just saying it has to be cut i think with for the fu manchu you got to get rid of this part and you can't have it connect on the side it's not allowed to connect to no, the sideburns it's got to be, be gone boom and um my wife might divorce me if, mm-hmm. if i did that
0: yeah i'm due to be married in like 10 months and i need to get that locked down before i experiment
3: do it for the pictures. Oh, wedding pictures with the the Philip nope. Fu Manchu. See if we can all GoFundMe. Have Philipronic fly out to your wedding and do pictures with yeah, you yeah. with the same facial hair. Absolutely. I remember
4: there was one year in November that like a lot of the players across the NHL did that whole handlebars look, and I always wanted Henrik Zetterberg to do it. I thought it would be hilarious if he did it. <laughs> but uh, answering your question. Um, I mean, I think the grade is perfect. I think that 7 to 8 range, I mean, there's a pretty good margin between that. But, like, the players have been fantastic, especially the new ones. I mean, Kopp, I guess, it has gets a little bit of a break, you know, since he, he was out injured and, you know, Bertuzzi obviously as well. But, like, for the most part, I mean, Kubelik, you can't ask for more. I mean, nobody was expecting this and you can't say that you were. Um, so Chicago certainly wasn't (laughs) right. Uh, and then, you know, guys like Peron and, and, you know, Heronic great surprises, especially Veronic. Perron. I mean, we kind of knew, you know, he would be a depth scoring kind of guy and, you know, glad to see Raymond's gotten better, uh, as the season's gone on, but like, we, we still need a little bit more from um, Cop, and we need some more from guys like Sherat and, you know, the bottom of the lineup. But, I mean, that's going to come. And, you know, again, like I said, it's, it takes time. And especially some of these guys have never really played together. It's what, we're in November, so it's not even two months that these guys have played together. And so the chemistry is going to come, and it's going to get better as time goes on. And that's, that's pretty much my take
2: on it. Uh, Yeah, Cops, I think he's starting to get his stride now. And with that core surgery, we saw how Larkin had to, how long it took him to finally adjust and get back to the swing of things. And I think that we're finally starting to see him moving up and and down the ice. I don't want to say smooth, but better. And it's starting to lead to a little bit more offense there. He's starting to put the body on more. He's starting to open up plays. It seems like, and he's got 10 points through 18 games so far. So, I mean, if that starts upticking especially if he's getting more he's he's got one goal and nine assists I don't think I think right now for how things have been going and how his start was you can't really ask for much more so if that continues to improve you're going to be in a damn good spot as this season progresses especially as guys become more healthy and if we do manage just keep see these guys stay healthy for that matter so get through Christmas you get Fabry back maybe if that's sooner because he's out there in a non-contact at this point but um yeah I mean the the sky's the limit, I think, when you start getting a few of these guys back to see what happens.
3: Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Cops faceoff percentage uh, go up a little bit more.
2: I mm, think that's yeah. a team thing. I think we had, had talked about it.
3: Uh, it's getting a little better, but I, that's one that I'd like to see go up a little bit. I think right now he's sitting at a 43.3% on faceoffs, uh, where last season he was at a 496 overall. So I want to see that tick up because historically he's generally an over 50% guy. So I'd like to see that up. Uh, we'll move on to development. So I pose the question, how would you rate rookie development in Grand Rapids and Detroit? Uh, we got an 8 out of 10 with 36% of the votes, followed by a 7 out of 10 with 28% and a 9 out of 10 with 14%. Uh, some of the comments, a lot of praise for Berggren. Berggren has came in. He has stolen this spot. I almost feel bad for Philip Zadina when he comes back. I don't have much of an issue sending Elmer Soderblom to Grand Rapids to work on defensive stuff. Um, but this this roster is going to get really packed real quick here. Coming up with guys coming back off injury, uh, younger guys getting change, uh, getting changes uh, with or chances without limiting their growth. A lot of calls to see Edvinson, and then a lot of praise for how Kosa has performed uh, down in the ECHL. So I'm going to start with Daniela.
1: Okay, this is the one where I feel like there might not be enough time quite yet to just understand development. I think Jonathan Berger, and definitely you can talk about him right now, but we've been waiting for this. And I think Steve Eiserman has known that he's needed a little bit more time in the AHL to develop. We knew that he was going to get his chance. I think he's been by far the most impressive in doing what he's supposed to do. And like you said, earning that spot here in Detroit, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Phillips Zedina does in fact, come back, Robbie Fabry's healthy. That'll all be interesting to see what happens there. But I think he's earned a spot in Detroit with Elmer. That's another one where, again, there hasn't been enough time. Has he been okay in the NHL? Yeah. And could you keep him up here? Yeah, I think you could. But if it gets to the point where the roster is full and you want to send him to get some time in Grand Rapids to learn the game a little bit more, there's no problem there either. So I guess I don't think his development is bad in any any form of the word, but I don't know if we can say is it great right now. I think we should wait and see, give him another year to develop in, in that aspect. But I think everybody's on the right track if that makes sense too. And um, I'm sure we'll see Simon Edmondson. Maybe I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I think we will at some point throughout the season, see Simon Edmondson, but it can only be good for him to be getting all of that playing time because we just talked about how impressed we were with the Red Wings defensively. So if it's going to take an injury to bring him up, then you know what? So be it because things are working right now. So he can take that year to develop in Grand Rapids.
3: Yeah. I agree about uh, Soderblom is that what I looked at for him is that is playing in the NHL, hampering his development and it's not i mean he's playing the systems the way he's supposed to play like i said the big thing for him is is a little bit of defense but his reach is phenomenal he can protect the puck i i'd like to see him do it a little bit more while skating and use his reach and body at the same time because it seems like he picks one or the other but that that was the big thing for me and daniela you are absolutely you're like the only one that's not allowed to use the words i'm sure I know, we can I all, cannot do that,
1: right? <laughs>
3: all of us can say, I'm sure, but the second it comes out of your mouth, I it's like gospel. I,
1: I, to take it back. <laughs> I am not sure, okay? I am anticipating personally that we will see Simon Edmondson at some point. <laughs>
3: uh, all of Daniela's statements are not reflective of the Detroit Red Wings, and they are her I, own I, personal opinions.
1: They're <laughs> going to come to me, they're going to be like, you need to put that in your bio now. That needs to be a permanent bio statement.
3: <laughs> Other Ryan, how are we feeling about rookie development up to this point?
0: Oh, I'm just taking note of everything Daniela has said. It seems like she's the only person who can read Steve Eisen in his mind. So that's that's settled fact. We don't need to argue about that. Sorry, in have been quote tweeted. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, again, I think Daniela's right here. I think it's it's just hard to say. I and I think people are going to have a natural inclination to want to compare this to last season, where you know, for I've had a lot of criticisms of Jeff Blasio, but I think he nailed it with Raymond Insider last year. Uh, Lilone just doesn't have the same. Things to, he doesn't have the same toys to play with this year. Uh, so it's a much different picture, and these are all longer-term projects. Completely agree on Soderblom. This is a guy who came in in a short window did a, enough to shine and show who he is, but the NHL is the toughest league in the world for a reason, and it's a physical game that's built on attrition, it's built on pace, and, and it's something he's never experienced before. So is he out of shape? No. Is he slow? No. But he's never done it at this level for this many games in a row and at this pace, so he's uh, always going to struggle. Uh, I agree. I, I'm happy to see him go down to Grand Rapids or stay in the NHL. And I think part of the assessment will be, you know, at the 40 game mark, provided he gets healthy sometime soon. And I think he's day to day right now. Uh, How is he hanging in there? Have you seen any improvement or would he do a little bit better by slowing things down in the AHL? Bergeron, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Again, he's come in in the, in the first few games, much like Soderblom, coming in and, and I think in my mind, Sean, like he's he's been really great. Um, especially with Valeno and Suter on that line. I thought he's made a really good impact and he's had more time in the AHL. So it's not a a one-to-one comparison, but that's uh, reflective of I think good decision-making from Red Wings management in terms of where he's at Uh, down in the AHL. Do I think Edmonton has done enough to say, yeah, he should absolutely come up right now. Personally, no, but that doesn't mean development is bad. Uh, I think the Red Wings were blessed and cursed with Sider and Raymond. I think too many people are really down on Simon Edmondson right now when it's like Mo Sider is a, for some teams, a once in a generation type defenseman. Most general managers in this league would uh, give a limb to have a defenseman who shoots right like Mo Sider. He's just not going to happen very often, so you can't use him as a measuring stick. So Simon Edvinson, for me, still needs some work in terms of um, some of the concerns that came up around draft time, which is the decision-making and the execution He's very talented. There's no question about that, but it's just about that execution um, and, and how he deploys those things. So um, he still has a little ways to go. I think he's done enough to do, you know, come up for a few games or a nine game stint, maybe this season that can't hurt. I would love for the team to be in a safer spot in team defense, where they can avoid getting caved by the Buffaloes, and New Yorks because you don't generally want a Simon Edmondson exposed to those kinds of things. Uh, but on the positive side of things, like look at the season, cross is having. He's been letting it up and he was very much a project pick. where he had a very tumultuous kind of up and down uh, development path where the year after he was drafted, I think it was people were like, move, it's not looking so great. And, and he picked it up. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, too early to call. Uh, no red flags or anything to be concerned about. And no, no home runs, but not every team is equipped to have home runs. And I think that's the space the Red Wings are in right now.
3: Yeah, on the Edmondson thing, I think the term when we talked to Tony Ferrari that he used, and it's a generally used term, is he's got all the tools in the toolbox, but how, how does he put them all together? And that's kind of what you've seen from Edmondson. It's either he, and in, in some games, he either has a really good defensive game and not a great offensive game, or he is, tries to push offense a little too much and the defense lapses. So it's getting the good balance. And I think he can, when he comes to the NHL, he will learn a lot from Sider in that respect is how to kind of put the two things together. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to someone else who's not in Grand Rapids or in the uh, Red Wings uh, organization. And that is Carter Mazur, who has been absolutely, I mean, blowing the doors down and in, in having a phenomenal season. And I see a lot of, and, and we've said it before, I see a lot of Tyler Bertuzzi and Carter Mazur to where he plays a gritty game can piss people off, but he's, he's been on a, on a tear.
1: Greg, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, I know we were trying to talk, you know, Grand Rapids and Detroit, but if, if you're a Red Wings fan and you haven't been keeping up with Carter Mazer's career in Denver, go look, Walk, look at the numbers, watch the highlights. He's been super exciting and another player to to keep your eye on as the Red Wings move forward here. But yeah, he's been good. And I did want to add this because every time we talk about the Sider and Edmondson comparisons, I like to remind Red Wings fans that Cider spent a full year in the AHL before playing a season with the Red Wings. It gets lost in the shuffle of the COVID seasons and everything that happened there, but he did play a full season in grand Rapids and a full season in the SHL.
3: Yeah. He was more developed. Yeah. Simon's yeah. also 19 still. Right. Yeah, exactly. Much younger,
2: Ryan. Uh, no, I was going to say on the Carter Mazur piece, Max did put out another fantastic article just today. So that's another one to go get caught up on in the athletic. Uh, as he highlights what's going on over there as well. But on on the rookie front, I think that what we've seen to this point is all you can ask for. I mean, Soderblom came in scoring against Montreal. Everyone went absolutely crazy. He's been a big body out there. I like your point about if he skates and uses that stick, he's going to be a formidable force. So once he just finally can put those things together here, it's going to be fantastic. If that's whether that's in Detroit or in Grand Rapids, I'm not going to be upset about it. As long as he's getting some decent time in there and improving, that's the most you can ask for. Uh, when you're looking at Bergeron, I mean, I think we're getting exactly what we thought. He's got what, three points through five games up to the, right now. But when he's out there, he's making things happen and he's not being overmatched, especially when he's making some board play and going up against these NHL caliber players. Like he looks like he belongs. And I think that's been the most exciting piece for him. How long he's going to be here is to be seen with injuries in the sort. But you, you can't be mad about where things are coming along with some of those guys. And then when you're looking at Grand Rapids, you're seeing Kosa kind of playing the back and forth game, but he's still playing well. He's had some great highlight saves down in Toledo. I'd like to see him back in Grand Rapids more because it seems like there's, they're kind of struggling defensively as a whole. But again, at the same time, do you really want to throw him into the bit of a shit show, if you will, of just getting peppered and not being, being able to necessarily recover? So, I mean, all in all, when you're looking across the board, cross Hannis, he's the highlight, I think for one of the younger guys that maybe weren't expected to kind of stand out in grand Rapids, but Edmondson is my, I hope we see him soon type scenario. But I, from what I understood, he's been dealing with some injuries or and he's cause he's got only 11, I think 11 games at this point. Um, but at the same time, as long as we're not seeing some of these guys and they're doing their thing in grand Rapids, it means things are going well enough up here in Detroit that they're able to develop we're not rushing them into anything and they're not getting overwhelmed with some type of scenario I and mean, be like okay we're looking for a, a wild card spot now is it a, a good growing experience sure but it could also be the wrong one in the sense that maybe things fall off the rails and then they realize what losing looks like at, at the professional level and then you start seeing empty seats at lca so hopefully we don't have to run into that scenario but it's something that we've unfortunately been accustomed to the last several years so to me i'm with the development it's going very well. I think a 7 out of 10 is appropriate going with the average grade here. I know that's the easy way out, but, I mean, for what you when you look at how things are going, it's, it's really all you can ask for. You talk to everyone that's in Grand Rapids. They're excited with what the younger guys are doing, and they would agree with much of what's been said that give them time. It's going to come around, especially with guys like Edmondson. They're learning, and they're getting it. Now it's just a matter of when they can finally make that jump and show it off in Detroit. And that's when things are going to get really exciting, I think.
3: Yeah, I think a big thing is not to rush people. We're in a position right now where we don't have to rush anyone. Like, we don't have to rush Ed Vincent in. We don't ha- Marco Casper is not going to be in the lineup next season, or at least he doesn't have to be. Like, there's there's no reason to take him right out of the SHL and, and plop him into Detroit. If he earns the spot, great. But there's a lot of people saying, well, Casper is your 2C next season. Are right? You moving Andrew Kopp to wing, where you going to bump him down to the third line. It's we signed cop to let people develop and to to shore up our 2C position. So I think if you're looking to just rush people in, you, you've seen what that does to some guys and it just ruins their development. We have the depth now, like Danielle had mentioned earlier, to be able to let the young, young guys just kind of chill out in whatever respective league they're in and, and not have to be rushed in.
4: Yeah, I think all the younger guys, for the most part, the the development has been good. I mean, it hasn't been obviously great because we haven't seen Edvinson come up and, you know, light it up like cider. But, I mean, we didn't really expect that at this point in time. So, um, you know, in Detroit, I think it's been pretty good. I I agree with that 7 to 10. I think, uh, you know, Soderblom was a good surprise early on. And, and, you know, he's kind of tapered off a little bit. Unfortunately, he's banged up now. But Bergeron has been a good shot in the arm, really. I mean they played really well since he's come up. And, you know, I mean, like I said, they the development at this level in the NHL, I think is harder to do than it is in the AHL. I think it's a lot easier to become a NHLer playing in the AHL, you know, being exposed to that. But as far as the NHL, I think they've done a good job. Um, And then in the AHL, I think they've done a pretty good job as well. I mean, you guys alluded to cross-handness. I mean, I don't think a lot of people surprise... Um, you know, thought that he would be, what, third in in scoring on Grand Rapids. I I think he's got, uh, what, 12 points in 16 games or something like that. So he's playing really well down there, Uh, including Pontus Andreas and has 10 points in 15 games. So he's been playing well for Grand Rapids. Edvinson, I mean, Ryan, I believe you alluded to it, that he's kind of going through an injury or two. Uh, I mean, I think if you expected him to be more cider 2.0, you're going to be disappointed because I mean, that just doesn't happen all the time. And if you're lucky, then I guess it does. But I mean, him being in Grand Rapids, no problem with that at all. I think, you know, that's the best for his, his growth. And then in considering, you know, the comparison between him and cider is kind of asinine because a lot of people, you know, will say, Oh, well he went from, the ahl to the nhl but then people forget about the whole shl thing and the shl might be the second best developmental league in you know in the world pretty much so um you know along with the ahl so i have no problem with that seven to ten range i think that's that's fair um and then going to carter mazer i saw him play uh twice last year in person saw him play uh here in the frozen four in Boston, once against Michigan, uh, unfortunately. And then the other was uh, against Duluth, I believe it was. And, uh, or no, Minnesota State, that's who it was. And he was a factor in both of those games, pain in the ass to play against. I, I agree with you, Greg. I think he's a Tyler Bertuzzi comparison. I think he could be even better at, at one point or another, so.
3: Yeah, um, we're going to have to retrain our brains and stop saying Bergeron and start saying Bergrin because, one, uh, that is the that is the, the pronunciation, according to several people. And two, Lars is going to beat us up if we don't say it correctly. Yeah, Daniela.
1: Confirmation today, because I am talking to him tomorrow. So today, Monday, November 21st, I did ask, or we did ask in the locker room, I should say. He is totally fine with Bergen. He's, I know it's Americanized. He goes, yeah, Bergen, Bergy. That's what they call me, Bergy.
3: But see, it's like the Americanized thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't...
1: Well, if you ha- I'm just telling you,
3: it- English is a bastard language. And that is what we do is we take all the other languages and we throw them in a bag and we beat them with a stick and whatever falls out is the way we say the words. And yeah. I want to do it correctly.
4: Greg, we I'm all scared. know that I can't even say Lalone properly. You expect out me to say
3: Beargren? Yeah, I do. I expect you to say Beargren. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we finally
2: get one name right. And then we're told it can go either way.
1: But they they don't really like it. Doesn't sound great when Americans try to do the the Swedish accent. It just kind of butchers it.
2: Oh, I'm not even gonna try that because I listened to some SHL <laughs> broadcasts yeah. and I'm like, that's not at all what I thought that was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, that's
1: not how I do nope. it. Yeah.
2: Other Ryan,
3: are you saying Berggren or <laughs> Uh
0: Berggren. I uh, actually Ken Ken has <laughs> Ken guards oh, me I when I get it wrong. Yeah, he'll oh, he'll get on you about that. Yeah, Jonathan Berggren.
3: Jonathan, uh, Yeah.
0: With uh, Soderblom, we were saying Soderblom for a while because trying to, you know, imitate Swedish as best as we could. And we got confirmation from Elmer himself where he's like, yeah, Soderblom or Soderblom. Either of those are fine. I actually prefer that. I actually had someone message me. and I was right, like a Swede, say, I'm still kind of angry at you because I know you're getting it wrong. But I can't be mad because Elmer himself, like you put up the audio on your show of Elmer himself saying Soderblom is okay. I'm like, we can't win. Tomorrow. it's just yeah thank you i'm Janiella. getting
1: the audio i will have the audio
0: you need it otherwise you'll yeah they'll they'll come after
3: you we have had people like message us on youtube and say i can't wa- i can't listen to you guys because you said this name incorrectly i'm like but i'm i mean i i don't live with the person i haven't talked to them i don't know how i mean we're gonna say it as best as we can but yeah i want to try and get them right so i'm gonna go with Berggren and okay. soda and, in and Soderblom. if you do the umlaut you have to make the, uh, the o and O. so it's a very uh, it, it just gets messy. But we have can you go had with conversations so well.
2: with Lars lately. mean like have a yeah? Did you have like a, a pronunciation guide tour or something? He,
3: he sent me some clips of where he says the name, and I'll take it from him because you know he's there. So I'll take the Swedish pronunciations from Lars, and if we say them right, he won't have to hit us or anything.
1: Wait, <laughs> so does this mean the nickname? Does this mean the nickname for Berggren? Johnny, Johnny Burgers. It's Johnny no, Burgers. Does it not work? Because oh, I say his name, it'd be Johnny Burgers.
3: Th- that's even better. It sounds like <laughs> Tyler saying Burgers. <laughs> oh. It just sounds like
1: they charge a few extra. I bucks do not burgers. speak like
4: that. See, this is this is where we defer because I don't have a that terrible accent that these people that I live with do. So,
3: Tyler, Tyler how would you say burgers with a Boston accent? guys See, there you go. You can do <laughs> it. It is. perfect perfectly works. Uh, is. <laughs> we are going to move on to rating management. Now, the way I take this is from the off-season to now, based on the moves they made in the off-season and how those moves are panning out. Um they've from from people, they had a 10 out of 10 with 54% of the votes, uh, followed by an eight out of ten with twenty-two percent and a nine out of ten with eighteen percent. Some of the content, uh, my, the best comment I got verbatim, they said, I don't want to participate in the typical trust the eyes plan circle jerk just for the sake of it, but it's hard to dislike what he's done. Drafting and development has been night and day difference and we've had sneaky good acquisitions each year. Uh, some of the other comments are some people are still down on the cop signing, but the overall theme is to just continue to trust the eyes plan because what did I say before Daniela? He's built up so much stock that until he does something wrong, you can't fault him. He could, make, he could go out and sign what is statistically the league's like worst player tomorrow, and you would be like, well, Eiserman must see something in him because he hasn't really let me down yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. That's exactly what my response is going to be right now. Until there's something for me to judge poorly, then I, I think you have to agree with every move that he's made, and every move that he's made has in turn helped the team, and that's the most important thing, right? I know the Ben Sherratt signing was a big thing at the, in the off season. Did he sign him for too much money? Did he sign him for too long? That's looking pretty good right now too. Like our, our decor is looking good. Only mata was a sneaky, good signing. I think that might be one of the best ones just alongside Philip Heronick. We've talked about that earlier, how he's helping heronic develop into the player that we want him to be. That's great too. David Perron, we knew what we were getting with him, right? But the way that he's impacted the Red Wings power play, and we've seen its ups and downs through the season, but when it's up, David Perron is a huge part of that, and he's he's a huge successor on the power play. So I really like that there. Billy Huso and that the trade at the draft, trading a third round draft pick for Billy Huso looks like a super smart move at this point when we didn't really know exactly what we were going to get. Right, so I, I can't even list them all because they're all good. And if you don't trust Steve Yzerman right now, I think you're kind of crazy because he has given you absolutely no reason not to.
3: Yeah, and Olimata, he is now one point off of his total points for last season in 66 games with L.A. Uh, he has seven points currently. He scored eight last season. Uh, that is why I am wearing tonight the I traded with Steve Iserman and all I got was this lousy T-shirt and a fourth round pick. Uh, that is that is the T-shirt I will be probably wearing for the rest of the season because it's, it's true. He, he fleeces the teams. The teams feel good for a little bit and then they wallow in misery at the bottom of the league.
1: Guys, I am so sorry to do this to you, but I have to jump off. I have to go pick up my dog still tonight. So I've got something oh, no. to do. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry that I didn't give myself enough time to finish with you guys, but you guys are great. And I know that you will finish without me, no problem.
3: Who's your MVP this season? Billy Huso. Who
1: needs to improve, do you think, the most? Who needs to improve the most? Oh, man, this is this. Is, I didn't really think about this one. This is putting me on the spot. I'll go with Andrew Kopp. I'm kind of taking the easy way out on this one but i think we will see his improvement but i think once we do it's going to be really noticeable if he starts scoring at that two center position we're going to see a huge uptick in the red wing so i'll go with cop for now
3: awesome thank you Daniela.
1: i'm sorry guys no you're you're fine
3: we love you thank you for joining us
1: all right bye guys have a good one yeah
3: other ryan you're up and now you have a bigger you have a bigger shoes to fill now that's terrible news for your show.
0: I had to bring it to <laughs> you. Uh, I was like, I'm sure you saw my face. I was pretty surprised to see that uh, the management rating was a 10 out of 10. And not because I disagreed necessarily, but because I thought people would be harder on the Cop and Sherratt signings. Uh, I do, I think that person put it plainly. You come off at the risk of just blindly agreeing with Eisenman, which I don't think you should do. Uh, but, you know, any deficiencies, I think, very much so I've been made up for with the Kubli signing, with the Mata signing, with trading for Huso which pulled him out from uh from Toronto's hands cuz Toronto wanted Huso but didn't want to give up a third round pick uh counting pennies and now they have Matt Murray in that anyhow.
3: They uh, probably should have. They should have just done it.
0: yeah and It's Dubas's job. It was his decision, but yeah, I uh I do think though if I'm going to take the seat of someone who's a detractor and saying it might not be a 10 and maybe an 8 or a 9 um there has to be a lot of focus on the COP and Sherrod tr- contracts because those are the two biggest ones. Do I agree that they're necessarily make or break and that if they don't turn out really, really well, then that's an apt atrocity? That's not where I actually land. Uh, I think the Red Wings are still very much in a transitional space. and If COP is moved over to wings sooner than expected or Sherrod is moved down to the second or third pair sooner than expected, in the grand scheme of things, with the cap having been flat when they were signed, I'm actually pretty okay with it. Um, we've all seen how this team has been over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, it's sucked. And you have two really, really important players in Raymond insider coming into the league. And you have two really, really important players with Larkin and Bertuzzi who you have to decide where do they fit into your future? You need to surround them with wins. So I do agree with the stance Eisenman took in the off season. Um, if he went in the other direction I think that also would have been fine but it would needed it to have been in the other direction like firmly like we're taking for Bedard, meat coffee Tilly uh no the, no kind of sitting and doing nothing so uh all in all still really high management and if anyone wants to say oh you're a fanboy or you're just blindly agreeing by all's point to anything that isn't needling or, or nitpicking on something that hasn't uh or, or something that's gone maybe kind of wrong. The guy went in and brought someone in who, before the whichever uh, big blow it was, had a 941 save percentage and stole wins for this team. Like management has done everything in my mind that management could, and anything else that you're nitpicking on, it just has a longer time frame to play out. for me.
3: Yeah, I think in management is is the one point where. I'd say ninety-eight percent of the fan base just doesn't have an issue with. That's the big. That's the big thing that most people can agree on. Is that yeah, management knows what they're doing because they've proven they know what they're doing. Like uh, the Kubelik thing, you can give you can give Eisenman years of backlog credit, I guess, for just taking Kubelik and and, and signing him to that one that low of a, a cap hit at two point five, and then having him produce the way that he he's done. Are um, Ryan?
2: Uh, I. So as we're going through this, I, I'm gonna go be this take the safe route here and give them an eight out of ten. And, and my reasoning for that is they're still building up towards something big. We're one on the safe, on the high end side, two years away from this being a truly competitive team. We've talked about Edmondson. We're not we're as long as he's not burning a year of his contract, which is highly unlikely, you've got these guys for one more year. You're spreading out that cap hit potentially for what these guys, these young. Top tier players will do for you, like Raymond and Sider. Yeah, they're going to be coming up about the same time. But you look at the the roster and how things have been built, and some of the guys that you're I'm re- referencing, cap friendly right now. Here's the guys that he's traded for that have been impactful for this team: Oscar Sundquist, Adam Ernie, and you can take that either way. Uh, going down, Jake Wallman. Granted, he's been hurt, but in his short time with this team, he's been impactful. He helps drive this offense in a way that we typically haven't seen, and you look at Robbie Frabbe and what he's done, Jake Verana, Billy Huso, all those guys have made a difference and made this team better in some fashion. And you take that in comparison with all the other guys that he signed and brought in. This has been a monumental year for transforming the roster, in my opinion. And you can take what he's done this year and especially last year, moving that into one more season. Because. You look at the, the salary cap situation and Ryan, to your point with Cop and Sherrod, yeah, and it, at face value, it's an oh shit moment, I think you could say. But if we see the rise in the cap that we're currently expecting, which anything, if it's a $1 million jump, I'm loving it because it's going to hurt all these top teams at the moment. If it's a $4 million jump, I'm loving it even more because now you've got that opportunity to go after somebody and those contracts look like nothing. In comparison, yes, we we had talked
3: about that. But when they sign the contracts, you know, the the cap's going up. It's not going to be a stagnant cap for three years. They don't matter.
2: I mean, it's terrifying because you still got to sign Dylan. What's going to happen with Bertuzzi? So those are the two elephants in the room, I think you could say. But as, as a whole, you see where he's going with it. You can still look at Tampa and be like, this is what he's done. This is what we can hopefully expect. And he's, I think he's getting there. And I think that's what's huge. I'm, I, I get it. I'm eight's probably not what people would prefer to hear, but once you get that this team into the playoffs, if it's this season or even next season, that's where I think it, it goes up even further because that's how much this team has improved in his tenure. It's amazing. It's, it's awesome. Tyler.
4: Yeah, I'll say this before and I'll say it again. I, I'm a fan of some pretty competent sports organizations and. Steve Eisenman, uh, I I would say um, has my confidence in pretty much any move he would make. The only exception, Ryan, I, I other Ryan, I should say, I don't agree with if they were to tank for Bedard, that would be the right move. I just I couldn't get behind that. I don't think most of the fan base could get behind that, especially given the fact that you've missed the playoffs what five years in a row now, and we blow at the lottery. Um, and yeah, and the lottery doesn't seem to to help matters either. We're, we're not t- putting down that ten block. Uh, but in terms in terms of management, I mean, management has done everything and anything to put this team uh, in a position to succeed uh, other than getting Dylan Larkin signed. I don't know what's taking so long. I think that this should have been done a long time ago. And I'll tell you what, if it gets to July 1 and he's a free agent, it, the rubber's really going to meet the road at that point. So that's the one thing I can kind of nitpick. Uh, I like the cop signing. I think it's still kind of... Um, it's the, the proof is kind of in the pudding in that one specifically. Um, the, the Sherat one, I mean, it it is what it is. I kind of agree with you, Greg, it's kind of just going to be kind of, you know, us talking about it now. And then when the cap goes up, it is what it is. Like, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, but they put the team in a good situation and a good, you know, spot to succeed. So, I mean, Kubelik should get him at least an A minus, you know, for, for for that alone. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty much where I'm at with it.
3: Yeah, and Dylan Larkin, and I think my theory now is that Dylan Larkin's agents um, are really, really good. And I think Larkin went in with an offer and then decided to bet on himself. And this is just me pontificating. And I think he is currently making Iserman uh, nervous, because Dylan Larkin is is phenomenal currently and but other people have said that Eiserman puts out a number and he doesn't budge like what he did with Stephen Stamkos and if you want to play for the team you'll play for the team and if not you're you'll go somewhere else but Eiserman has also made the comments that uh, to the point where he said he'd like to see Dylan Larkin as like a lifelong Red Wing and Dylan Larkin says he loves to be here and doesn't want to play anywhere else. But I think he's he's looking at the comparables and he's saying I can do that or better and he's doing that or better. So I don't think it's if Dylan Larkin gets his contract, it's when Dylan Larkin gets his contract because I I can't see him playing anywhere else.
2: Yeah, we've talked, I think, about this one the most out of really any subject on this team. And that's what his contract could be. I think he's solidifying himself at over nine million a year. I, I think we were being generous at. I think we all went were in, in between, what, 9.1 and 9.3? Yeah, I said
3: Give given the Barzal contract.
2: Yeah, I think we were assuming that would be high. Now I think that might be we're lucky at this point because he's playing himself at, at, at over point-per-game pace, and I don't have it pulled up in comparison to the other centers in the league, but we, we were talking before he was easily going to make himself a top-15 scoring center last season if he had stayed healthy. He's... Easily going to push that again this season, potentially top ten scoring center, and you're putting yourself into a pretty elite category at that point in my eyes. And where you're at, this this is a guy that you want to lock down because he's playing in all situations, and when you need someone to lean on, he has been that guy night in and night out. And what that contract could be if if the cap goes up again, not something I'm necessarily worried about. Will I be worried here in the next two years when? Cider and Raymond underneath a contract, maybe, but we have other guys falling off that potentially aren't going to be that like. Yeah, Perron gone. Um, really, most of the roster will not be impacting the cap, so there's going to be a lot of flexibility to make sure that your top skill players are locked down. It's also going to open the door to other skill and unrestricted free agency. So, I don't know. It's Larkin is playing into an elite level now. You can argue what elite could be. If I mean, he's not a Connor McDavid. He's not a, a Crosby, and throughout his prime, he's not an Austin Matthews. It's not generational. But no, but he is at a high level, and I think that's all you can ask for on this team that's continuing.
3: And that goes without saying that if you lose Dylan Larkin, you're you're in pretty deep, then then you're looking at getting a lottery position and and having to score there because if Andrew Cop, even with the way he's playing right now, is your number one center, and then you're bringing in maybe then maybe you need Casper uh, to come in and play number two. Uh, Ryan, did you have a a Larkin prediction? I think you
0: guys are right. I think he gets signed. Um, There's no kidding ourselves. It doesn't matter how diehard of a Red Wings fan you are, Steve Eisman believer you are, uh, Larkin switched his agents. He switched to a completely different agency because he wanted a big hitter. This is the biggest payday of his life. He understands this is a complicated situation because the cap is about to go up, but it hasn't yet gone up. could be next year be three years from now before we see that you know four million dollar jump or whatever it is that's theorized and just because Batman went out there and said that doesn't mean it's guaranteed to happen next year that was a political play that was advertising for the nhl um so yeah the factor of larkin i think larkin does want to be here but he wants to make sure he does burn he'll likely sign for seven or eight you know eight years is what eisman will be pushing and eight years will also be eisman's leverage to say hey total dollar's Uh, I can offer you just as much as, you know, uh, another team at seven years in the free market uh, or an unrestricted free agency. There's also a question of, yeah, Dylan Larkin is playing like a number one center right now. I've said before, I'm skipping ahead. He's my MVP for the Red Wings so far. How many teams who are out there, who are going out there in free agency are assigning Dylan Larkin to be their number one center and have the cap space to do it? But by how much will they overpay? And that extra year that Iserman has is all the leverage he needs. So I think the fact that it's gotten to this point, you can confidently say that it's going to continue to be a grind. I'd be shocked really if it got done anytime soon. Um, I agree, Tyler. I think it was a miss to not get this done sooner, but I don't think it was a miss that was necessarily avoidable. I think this is a calculated decision from Dylan. He probably had a similar offer to what he has now on the table back then. And he bet on himself and he's showing up. So, it's going to be uncomfortable, uh, but for Red Wings fans who are uncomfortable with it, just know that this is the problem that good teams have. So it's better this than worrying about wherever the hell Alexi Marchenko is playing the lineup Oh lord, years ago. Yeah, yeah, those are early days.
3: Yeah, welcome to climbing out of misery, Red Wings fans. We are standing on solid ground and worrying about how much money our number one center is going to make instead of how long we're going to be at the bottom of the standings.
2: I mean, if, it, if it's any consolation, we're not going to be looking at Nathan McKinnon money.
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either.
2: I mean, ideally, but you that's another guy that you can put up there with McDavid and Matthews. I mean, you're yes, it's the, he is that's the same agency, right? That Marken's represented by his, who, I believe, yeah, that
3: agency represents all of like the top people. So,
2: I mean, that's I think what would, would probably scare people right now at this point, but it's it's going to be reasonable. Now, it's going to be the highest paid player we've seen in a very long time. I mean, he is currently the highest paid player on this team, but. That's what you're going to need to do to ensure the longevity of this roster being competitive. And if you're signing him for eight years, he's 26 years old. He'll be 27 in the off season. So, okay, you're taking him out to 34, 35 season. You're okay.
4: And by the way, it's not like the Ilitches aren't aren't you know aren't going to pay the money. They're going to pay the money. That that's not a question whatsoever. It's yeah, just a we're matter. not the Tigers. It, it's just exactly, and it's just a matter of 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 where it falls. And again, like I said, the the miss was maybe trying to sign him earlier in his career instead of now where, where you're now you're kind of, you're backed kind of against the wall, but I do agree with you. You do have that, that eighth year of leverage where, you know, if he signed somewhere else in unrestricted free agency, it's only getting seven years. So
3: And uh, that's going to wrap it on the Dylan Larkin love fest. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for word from our sponsor, and we will be right back to close out the episode. NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay, and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. We've got three more things to cover before we close out. We're going to go with who is your current MVP Uh, number. So I'm going to do the top three out of uh, the standings that we got here. Larkin, number one, Kubelik, number two, Huso, number three. Honorable mentions were David Perron and Daniela got a vote. So that was uh, that was a good one. Um, But I agree. Dylan Larkin's my MVP, too, in And a lot of people say, well, look what Kubelik is doing based on what he did last year. But I mean, Dylan Larkin, he's he's center, which is an arguably harder position. He's a two way center, which is not something every center can do. And he's absolutely on fire and he's the captain of the team. So he's got to kind of also help guide these guys through all these transitional processes that that they're going through currently and keep them on track and, and keep the morale up in the room and lead this team. So Dylan Larkin's my MVP. Ryan, other Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think Dylan Larkin's the right choice. I said it earlier. Uh, he came into the season with someone to improve. He's hardly the first contract year player to have a good season. Uh So definitely money on the mind with the motivation. But this is also a continuation of what we've seen over the last season plus. Uh He's really, really done well. And he's done well with, you know, Lucas Raymond having a cold start and Tyler Bertuzzi missing time. So it's not like he's had consistency or being propped up. He's been the guy propping up players in this team that's been deficient in offense sometimes. Uh Coming into a season playing in a much more defensive system as well doesn't always translate to immediate offensive results or continuation of offensive results, but he's still shown up as a Red Wings leading point getter. So fully in support of that. I think Billy Huso is a close number two. Uh, If you're passionate about that and you're screaming in your car or whatever, look, you're probably right. You can make it just as good of an argument for Billy Huso save for a couple anom- anomalous games where I think the Red Wings defense was just as much to blame as maybe Huso letting in a soft goal or two, which goalies are allowed to do. Um, he has been old forming more than any other Red Wing compared to where they should be at their position. Uh, I don't think, I think before the season, if you said to me, Billy is going to get a dozen of votes, I would have said, you're insane. Brad Crisco, one of the other hosts on our show, he, he used that as one of his like ultra hot takes. And I thought, yeah, ultra hot is right. Now I would just call that a hot take. A lot has to go right for Huso to get Vesna votes, but he's sure playing like a guy who can show up. Um, you know, Ned has also had bad games, uh, but I think Nadelkovic also has had bad games that are a lot more his doing. And there were, you know, some games where the Red Wings were showing up and he didn't. Um, and I don't expect that to continue all season. He's too talented of a goalie, but Huso definitely has... is cemented himself this early in the season as the Red Wing starter. And yeah, what else is there to say about Kubli? Guy comes in with a, a small dollars contract, relatively speaking, an opportunity to kind of move up into the top six almost immediately because of injuries or whatever else. Shines, uses his tool, his shot is wicked, his ability to play off really, really talented players is immediate, um, seems to be a diamond in the rough. And thank you, Chicago, who... Uh, as a sports organization, provides almost nothing good to the world except uh, great foods, actually, and keeps giving the Red Wings really viable players. So appreciate that.
3: Yeah, the yeah, Chicago Blackhawks provide two things, good things to the Red Wings and sexual assault cases. Uh, those are the two things that they provide to the sporting community as a whole. Uh, R. Ryan? Oh, God. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Chicago and St. Louis, for helping build out this roster with people you thought weren't good enough, and then they have been proven horribly wrong. But no, I think my, my MVP is Larkin as the 1A, and I think Huso's a 1B. Um, Ryan, to your point about the hot take for Huso, I think if we're having that conversation with him getting Vezina votes, then you're getting into the conversation about uh, Derek Lalone getting coach of the year votes, because you're turning a team that was bottom of the barrel into a playoff contender potentially at that point then I think that's where that could actually start to show up a little bit. I get it that they're not going to be a top-tier team in terms of points, but if they are making knocking on the door of that wild card or even the third spot, no, that's going to be a stretch, mind you. Um, it's it's going to be hard not to look at those two individuals in particular, but then I think the top one there is going to be Dylan Larkin. His health is paramount to this team's success, and he's showing it again, as I kind of said a little bit ago, that he's playing himself into that elite conversation. I know there are people out there that are very anti Dylan Larkin and it blows my mind that you are. You should probably seek help for it. But this is a guy that without him, you aren't seeing this team perform to the level that it's at, whether it's offensively or defensively. Every time that he's on the ice, I'm not saying that he's a Connor McDavid, but you know that something good is likely about to happen because he helps hit the team that much all around. And that is what you need. Kubelik, I, I like him in the in the conversation because of the offensive spark that he's provided, especially on the power play. I think that Alex Tang, I would almost say your, your number three in the MVP voting could be the coaching staff. What Lalone has helped do with the support from Bugner. It seems like Alex Tang's voice is finally being heard this season from what we saw from the preseason last year. It kind of got seemed like just pushed out of the way as the season went on, but it's that's, I think Larkin is the safe bet. And you're not going to really be in a, in a bad place unless he gets hurt, knock on wood. And I'm not trying to say that he will, but you never know how the NHL season can go. So, I, Larkin, I think, is the safe one. Who sews the 1B for me? And then you can take your pick after that. I'd say almost the coaching staff would be my next, MVP, my number two.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with Larkin. Uh, I know that's the popular pick, but it's, it's the only pick at this point for me. I mean, he's got 22 points in 18 games, he's got eight goals already, 14 assists. So he's playing at a a great pace. Uh, Meanwhile, he's in a contract year. And as we kind of have alluded to already, um, he's playing very well. I mean, he's making all the players around him better. um, And it's not the same players every single night, you know, mind you, with all the injuries that the Wings have. So he's been, you know, the stalwart every night. He brings it whether the team's playing well or not. He brings it every single night. And that's, that's what embodies a captain. And I'll tell you what, some of these people that, that, you know, go on these boards and, and, you know, these Facebook pages and all that saying that Larkin's not a captain and, and this and that, and the other thing, he's not worthy. That's absolute bull crap. So I don't agree with that whatsoever. Uh, I agree with you, Ryan, No, who so both of you guys, that who definitely a close second. I mean, he's been everything in, everything in a lot more than I think that I expected. I thought he would be good. I know a lot of people said that he was going to be the future goalie of the St. Louis blues. And then on came, uh, Jordan Bennington. So, but he's been very good. And and I mean, he's everything that, that I wanted and definitely more, even more because I mean, we thought it was a one, a one B situation between him and Ned and he's pretty much stolen it at this point. So, um,
3: yeah, you know that I uh, I admin that Red Wings fan page on Facebook, and I have really had to hold the uh, ban <laughs> ban button several times for what some of the people have have said on there. Um, but to Huso, Huso right now is number ten in goals saved above average, currently at three point eight eight. I mean, you got wild numbers like Connor Hellebuck is his goal saved above average is twelve point seven nine. Linus Allmark eleven point eight eight. So those are like weird anomalies, but Huso is is overperforming what he should be doing right now.
4: Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, the New Jersey Devils may never lose a hockey game again.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 13 been in a kind of row. Weird yeah, weird hex put on uh for, for that. There's some voodoo in play with the New Jersey Devils.
2: There's the chant. Like a chant against
3: the Yeah, Lindy Ruff said, fuck your guys' chant. We're gonna turn around and we're just gonna win every single game for the rest of the season, and I'll never get fired and I'll be here until I'm dead. Uh, but we'll go on and who needs to improve. Number one, uh, according to fans was cop. Number two, surprisingly was cider. And I think he saw the results before last game. And number three was Zadina, uh, four, they, but Nadelkovic got an honorable mention. Um, I am going to say that based on current what's happening currently, I will say cop. I don't think it's going to be an issue for cop. I, he's proven that he can play hockey. I mean, competently with other teams. And again, he missed all of training camp. He missed preseason because of recovery from his surgery. So I think that cop is the one that does need to improve. But I think he also has probably a really, really good shot of picking it up. Other Ryan.
0: Yeah, with Cop, like you mentioned, he, he had core surgery. So much conditioning and muscle rebuilding and stuff happens in the offseason. People don't really appreciate that. These guys basically just try to stay at maintenance all year, and, and you can't. Like they are deficient by the end of the season based on how they came into the season. They are not as in shape at the end of the season, if that makes sense. So in the off season, if you have core surgery, that means you're it's time out of the gym, it's time off the bike. Your cardio's worse. You miss all the preseason. You miss training camp. You know you're you're coming in and right at the start of the season, you're expected to hit the ground running, and your your knees are still creaking like uh, water bottles moving. So. I have a lot of expectations for Cobb, similar to Sherrod, actually. Um, has he been impressive in my mind? Uh, before the last few games, I would say definitely no. I think he, we've seen more from him now. Um, I'm not sounding any alarm bells, though. So if you want an answer that's not the simple cop or depending on what you feel about Sherrod, and I think he's been a mixed bag, I think Nedeljkovic is the answer that needs to change for Detroit. Um, thinking that that L.A. game, wasn't good. And that wasn't the first one that wasn't good. Like the, there's soft goals that are going in and you can tell the flow just isn't there for him. It's a catch 22 for the coaching staff right now, though. Like Derek O'Lan's job is to go out there and, and have the Red Wings be in the best, best position to win games. And that means give whoso the starts. Unfortunately, with the way things have shaken out, it means Ned gets weird back-to-backs, road games, tougher teams. Uh, is it an excuse? No. I don't think he's been great on balance, but I think also he's not been set up. In a way to really kind of get his mojo. So uh, Ned, for me, is a, is a very prominent answer. And if you want to hear the mixed bag on Sherrod, I think he brings a lot in terms of physicality and a hard-nosed play, which I think the Red Wings desperately needed. We talked a lot about, you know, the Red Wings really got bullied in front of their own net a lot last season, and he he can come and account for that and be the pain in the ass for the other team. Um, playing next to Most Sider, though, it's a big assignment. Most Sider's still a kid relative uh in nhl relative terms and he's adjusting to a player who's a lot more all over the ice play much different style of game than what Sider's used to so um i would like to see those two mesh better so i i would say rather than just cider just Schrott, that pairing overall but again last couple games have been a bit better
2: so you're saying ben
0: Schrott is not danny DeKaiser. <laughs> that's uh, all we needed <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's both the hottest and least hot take uh that you could possibly come up with is those two names yeah.
2: Uh, no, I, I think for me, the, the guy that didn't disapprove I'm not trying to pick on him while he's down, is Zadina. Um, I, I, it's not to say that there's a high expectation, but I think there's, to me...
3: There's a higher to see than him. what has happened.
2: Yes, I, I, I want to see him succeed. I was hoping that there would be that fresh start with the with loan coming in and the way that the staff has changed things up. And you look at him, and with the eye test, you're like, he's playing a hard game out there. He looks good, but things just don't seem to click. And to me, it's frustrating. Like, I don't want to write him off, but at the same time, there's a reason he was scratched to start the year. There have been guys that have been better. And whether or not this injury and him coming back, we'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, you could argue that Bergen's come in and he's outperformed what Zadina was. And they're on the same age, so it's going to be like, okay, well, I got one guy that's cheaper. and but playing much better and has a potentially higher upside. Now, that's not to say Zadina doesn't have an upside, but it's a lot left to be had there, in my opinion, and it's a little bit disappointing. And I think the other one, I'm going to go 1A, 1B, would be Ned for me because you were hoping for the two-headed monster, I think. so has been fantastic the way that he's come in and kind of t- made this his team. I mean, we kind of saw that with Ned last year in Grice, but I think the big one, if you start seeing Ned come back to what he was we were seeing from him last season, this team is where that they start to become more dangerous. And that's where talking about them being a wild wild card slot isn't so out of the out of the question, potentially. So if he can really turn things around, I think that's going to be a huge win. Cop, I I can't disagree with it granted i think we said he had 10 points in 18 games at this point i think the last few he's really started to show more aggressiveness in terms of what we're we were expecting so i'm gonna i'm giving him a pass for the time being but i think that's going to be a short leash from here on out because it, he is finally starting to come around so that one i I'm, I'm I'm on the fence with him so i think my top ones would be zadina and
4: Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think you, you guys both make good points. I think, I think the only answer here is Andrew Kopp. And I know it's not his fault that he had the core muscle surgery and all that stuff, but I mean, it's certainly, I I don't want to sound, you know, redundant or anything like that. But I mean, it has been disappointed. He has come on a little bit the last couple of games, but um, you know, we need a lot more from a two C than, than what he's provided so far. So I look for that to get better. I'm not like overly worried about it, but I would say that's probably where, where I lean the most Phillips, Adina is definitely a close second. I mean, and then Ned's obviously there as well. I mean, some of those games, it just, I know he is trying. I don't want to you know, bash him for not. But it did, some of those games, it did look like, oh, my God, has he given up? Like, I know the defense isn't, but has he given up? And so I know I know it's not true. I know hockey players in general don't give up. Um, But, you know, it again, on TV, it looks a little bit different than than what it would look like, you know, down at the ice
2: level. So um, See, those- it seems like there's a different level of frustration with Ned this year than what we saw last year.
4: Yeah, well, I think a part of that is maybe, maybe, you know, Eisenman bringing Huso in. I think maybe, maybe Ned thought he was the guy, you know, going forward. And then, like, the, you know, the rug kind of gets pulled from under him. So I don't know. I'm just saying spitballing here. But I mean, that's certainly a possibility, especially when you're a goalie. You want to play every single game if you can. You know what I mean? And, and you know, when someone comes in, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be the number one. It's like, wait, what? I, I thought I was the guy. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that could be part of it. But again, I mean, it, 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 as a professional, you have to find a way to get around
2: that. So um, and the, the, this is a big year for Ned, though. I mean, he's in a contract here, so he's making three million a year. You know, he's going to be want to look, be looking for more money. But unless things turn for the better, which obviously for us being Wings fans, we hope that's the case. He's he's hurting himself more than anything. I mean, it, it could be good for Detroit in the terms if they do decide to re sign him and it's going to be for around that same price tag. I think you're in a great spot. But he's got a lot riding on this season for how things are going so far.
3: Yeah, I would agree. So to round it out, and the last question that I had is again, going back to the stat of 77.5% of teams are in playoff position by American Thanksgiving, make it the playoffs. Uh, 78% of people said, no, we will not make the playoffs. 22% said yes. Uh, some of the final comments on it, a lot of people said it'll be a barely miss. I had agreed kind of on that point from the beginning of the season that I think we will be a lot better than we were. And uh, on paper, we were a lot better than we were and it, but it'll be a barely miss. I don't think it's really next year. I think for sure you're hoping playoffs, but I think this year's a barely miss. Uh, as people said, contender in the coming years, some people said the team is too soft. Um, I don't agree with that this season. Previous seasons, yes. I don't agree with that this season. Uh, There's said likely sellers at the deadline, but big picture. They need one more shot at the lotto. And then another person, but I like the way they put it. They said, I think a big part of the team's success going forward depends on the assumption that they aren't very familiar with each other and that as the season goes on and passes start clicking more and they support each other better in keeping possession, we get better generally every area. If they play at this level all year, um, if they play at the same level all year, they do not think we are a playoff team. But if all that other stuff starts to progress, then they can see a playoff team start to kind of form.
0: You know, my vote here is that they're probably not a playoff team. I would I'm at the point where I'm still putting money down on that if you ask me to. Um, you know, they've they've pulled points from a combination of post stealing wins, a bit of a sweetheart schedule. Flashes of offense to kind of uh, capitalize on early season wonkiness. But in general, I think we're seeing a lot recently of this team is what it is. A win against San Jose 7-4 and then following up, beating up on a depleted Columbus team 6-1. Like That's kind of where the Red Wings are at on paper. Um, the 4-3 loss to LA, getting caved by New York, that kind of thing. Like Those are a little bit more in line. You don't want 8-2 against New York, but those are a little bit more in line with the results that you, you'd you expect. They've got a gnarly December schedule coming up. Like That is going to be an absolute ringer. And they have um, four games straight on the road, I think, in the second week of December. Three of them are incredibly tough against uh, really strong opponents, including both Florida teams. And I can't remember who the third one is. Um, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, heads up,
3: people. Our season is not getting easy. No. So, like,
0: it's nice to be in this spot now, and it's not a bad thing but there are going to be some painful moments ahead, I would imagine. But hey, if we're talking halfway through December and the Red Wings are still making us have these conversations, then I am happy to just admit there's an egg on my face and they're possibly a playoff team. But right now, the 5-5 five and five offense isn't consistent enough. They don't have two solid goaltenders showing up every game. And they frankly don't have defensive depth, even if those things come up. like They have to hope Sider and Sherrod are having a good game. Hironic's been out lights out recently, so that's good. But it's not a good on-balance defensive core either. So uh, I, I think best of the rest or better than most of the rest is where the Red are likely to land. So maybe one or two spots out of that wild card. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them low in the lottery mix. And if they're pushing for a playoff spot, similar to what I said before, if they're pushing for a playoff spot, I might have said that was insane before the season. Um, maybe not insane, but now I would downgrade that, grade that to just crazy
3: that that gets you in a slightly less padded cell uh Ryan.
2: <laughs> yeah looking at the de- december as you mentioned nine of their 13 games are against top playoff caliber teams now granted you could argue pittsburgh at this point and washington maybe but looking at last season you've got a mix of vegas tampa florida dallas carolina minnesota washington pittsburgh like it could hurt a lot. I mean, I'm hopeful that it won't, but there is also a lot of away games throughout that stretch too. And no back-to-back for home until you get to new year's pretty much. So I think December will be the make or break to that, to your point there. But I mean, I'm on the fence, but I'm going to default to the easy way out and say it's not yet a playoff team. And that's not to say that they're a bad team. And that's not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, but they're a couple pieces away and a couple and one more solid season of growth for some of these younger guys from being impactful next season, I think is the one where you can have that expectation as a fan that this has to be a playoff hockey team this year. If you get it, you're knocking on the door. I think that's a huge win. And we've talked about this before. If they're pushing to a, a wild card spot going into March, that's a That's, the season to win already. I don't think you can ask for much more at that point. If they just miss out or if they're worth in five to 10 points, if you will, because that's still putting them right around probably 80 plus points this season, you're really not in a bad spot. And I think that's all you can ask for is you're seeing that growth from this team, the right guys making the right impact as we've already talked about. But the biggest thing is what is Raymond guys like Raymond insider? What have they done as the seasons progressed? Are they continuing to get better? Because if that's a yes, you're in a damn good spot. And that's all you can ask for. So I I still think it's a no, but it's not a bad.
3: And I think that's even underselling it a bit is if you say that if the Red Wings are missing the playoffs by two, two spots to the wild card, that's damn good for all the the stuff that happened this offseason, all the new guys, new systems, new coaching, if you're only missing it by two spots. I mean, that's that's a huge yeah. win. You should feel really, really good about it at that point.
2: And that's obviously best case scenario. Yeah. Yep. Potentially. I mean, best case scenario is them actually cracking a wild card and they're in. But if they're within ten points with a couple games here or there, like it's huge. But again, long season gauntlet coming up, and they're also in one of the hardest divisions in hockey. So Tyler. Yeah, I think Boston's
4: gonna come crashing down. That's my prediction. We've been Um, saying that since the start of the season. It's going to happen, dude. They're old. They're they're not that good. And And I know they're on a hot players to start the year, and they're still crushing everybody. They are they are so old. David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron should be coming out in wheelchairs there. But anyways, uh, in terms of the playoffs, I mean. I said at the beginning that we were going to make the playoffs barely. We are going to make it by a point or two. Um, I still could see it. I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen, but I could definitely see it. Um, Gun to my head, I say no, but I mean, I I think they're probably in the conversation. And and, and I think the way I phrased it uh, was, if they're playing important games in March and April, that's all you can ask for. And so, I mean, because I mean, think about how many times in March and April or even in February at, at last year's point. I mean, the season was over. Basically, all you were hoping for was development and, and pretty much not tanking, but, you know, trying to get a higher draft pick. So I would rather at this point be playing in important games, be in that spot where maybe you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but you're pushing for it. And if you make it, which I think they still can. I mean, again, like you guys are talking about tough schedules. Well, you know what? If you're going to be a playoff team, you need to you need to win those games, or at least find a ways to get a point in those games. Even if you get the pity point and you lose in overtime, that's still you know one point closer to a playoff spot. So I think there's a chance, but uh, gun to my head, I say no.
2: I, I like the steel point thought because if they're doing that, it's already an improvement. Because typically we're seeing them drop those types of games in, over the last several years, where they're either just behind and they try to scratch back or they blow a lead and they still somehow lose in regulation. If they can keep turning that around and get that pity point, if you will, that's huge because that will put them toward potentially that wild card spot because we see how important points are gonna start becoming, especially when they have a gauntlet, like they do for December and as as the season goes on.
3: I I agree with all of the above points, Um, but that is episode 200. That is the pulse of the fan survey. Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us for this. Uh, I am going to let you plug whatever you want to plug before we sign off tonight.
0: Yeah, you're better than me. I completely forgot about that. First off, thank you guys so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And King 200, Uh, like Greg said, um, I do have some stuff to plug. I suppose I'm from the winged wheel podcast find us wherever you listen or watch. If you like looking at our terrible faces uh, at winged wheel Pod on Twitter, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it boys. Uh, You know, good luck out in uh, Boston, Tyler. I'm not sure I I share the same optimism that they're going to come down, but you're the one who has to live with those fans. So Godspeed to you, Uh, Greg. Thanks again. And Ryan, I hope you can find some sleep. And uh, I pray for you that uh, your, your better half doesn't hear what, I think Greg said about you now having to do all those
2: diapers for good luck because that's a bad spot to be at.
3: Good luck, diaper type. Thankfully,
2: she's also in bed. But if she hurt me, then I'm definitely in trouble. So we'll see what happens. <laughs>
3: Uh, but you can follow Ryan on Twitter at rdryan33. You can follow Tyler at sealdog91. You can follow me at Bringing the Wing. You can also find the Grindline Podcast at Grindline Pod. We can give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around everywhere. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit. They make, uh, they do just amazing work. Go see Lynn over there. She is phenomenal. Any kind of Detroit jersey you want, you can get from them. Anything you want to get worked on, you can get from them too. And they're just their customer services next to none. If you use the promo code Grindline on Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. Use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. You can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. And go check us out on YouTube. Subscribe and uh, follow along because I don't only post these. I do short video clips, too, when news and stuff happens. uh, And we're on TikTok because, you know, the kids. So that's where you can find us there, too, at Grindline Podcast. Yeah, man, I made a TikTok when deal with it i don't it was a while ago Man, gotta keep up <laughs> we with have gen. a tiktok now yeah, gotta what? keep up with gen z dude i don't know i'm like real awkward on that stuff but yes i made a tiktok it's at grindline Pod. everything's at grindline Pod. mastodon we're a mastodon now at grindline Pod in case twitter decides to dissolve into a black hole somewhere so uh, that is going to do it for us tonight again thank you ryan for coming on uh but for our ryan and tyler i am greg you stay classy i